Um, so, hello. Oh, hello. Hello. Good evening. So, I want to talk to you. Whoa. You right? <laughs> my goodness. Just, oh, my God. No, I was. Uh, you asked me to move forward and the chair moved backwards. Oh, fuck. I asked you to move forward with the chair. No, ow. Oh, my God. Are you, are you all right? Ow. Have we, have we got like a. Oh. Okay. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I can do this. Okay. Oh, I think I just it. broke my asshole. What's our seat number? Good evening. Good evening to you. <laughs> Are we really just going to continue like that didn't happen? <laughs> Sorry, I just fell off my chair in spectacular fashion. I don't know if Johnny's going to leave it in, but that was... I, I'm considering it. That I, was I, really I'll, painful. I'll <laughs> Ow. So you want to do the intro? I feel confident that I can do it this week. Ready? Okay. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm just going okay. for it. Okay. So you with me? Hello, and welcome to What's Our Seat Number, the show where we ask questions no one has cared to ask before, nor do they indeed care for the answers to them. That's right, questions such as, what the heck is up with the Halloween franchise's continuity? Why do video game adaptation movies still get made? And is Tommy Wiseau a vampire? I'm Simon Gross, a 3D graphic spelunker for all the good it does my co-host, and speaking of sex on a stick, with me as always is... Johnny Gross. A Hi. filmmaker! <laughs> I am indeed. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Um, okay, so bona fides, uh, something that I want to talk to you about. Um, okay. So here's the thing: is that we talk about films, and you know we talk about how we have experience. You're a filmmaker, and I'm a 3D artist. Are you? Uh, well, <laughs> depends who you <laughs> ask in this room. Um, but um, you know, I think it's very important that we talk a little bit about um, you know where we came from, and you know what what our sort of bona fides are. So. Um, what I thought that we'd do is not starting with the Dream Factory, because we did sort of mention that in the last podcast, uh, the Hocus Pocus one, if you haven't heard it, please go listen. Um, yeah, but the we Dream talked Factory a little bit is a that. student film. So no, I, really I know that, but I thought that maybe we'd go a little bit further back than that, and we'd talk a little bit about films uh, that you and I made in England. Oh, good lord. <laughs> um, do you remember any of them? Do you remember what we, like, can you name, name did them? I, did I, call, what did I call it, Fright? I call it Fright? You called it Fright. That was the one I wanted to talk about because it's Halloween month. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it October? It's October. Really? Mm-hmm. In the calendar, it's what it says. Okay, then. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was called Fright, and basically the uh, camera was the killer. Yeah. It was from the point of view of the killer. Which has never been done before. How old were you and how old was I? I'm, I, I don't want to guess because last time we talked about my age I, I i seem to remember things as being younger than i was or like old six or i seven, was very young but like yeah. it was very yeah it was which would have made me about 14 so can you sort of talk about why you wanted to make a fright film a horror film well because I, at the time what was out scream halloween what halloween was yeah. way before that way before that but yeah no scream was uh was around at that time and there was i know what you summer and Phantoms, where Affleck was the bomb, yo. Uh, all of those movies that had a sort of triangular formation of good-looking people on the poster. Right. That was the that was the the, the time. The sort and of you the decided that you choose me, the oh, sexiest oh, yes. person in the no, world. No, but that, that, yeah, that, 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 I was getting into like sort of slasher and horror and all that kind of stuff. How old were you again? Sorry, uh, fourteen, fifteen, nice. something like that. Uh, maybe thirteen. I don't know. Lovely. Um, and I had a 
high eight camera or was a high eight or eight. If you're asking me, you've come to the wrong person. Whatever. It was tape. <laughs> it was tape, and um, I had a VCR to VCR system that I would edit, but um, it was easier to just edit in camera. So. I remember you doing. Uh, there was a shot that you did with the the very famous sort of like zoom thing where where. Yeah, the dolly zoom. I tried yeah. that a few times. And and that was me realizing that there was someone in the house with me, right? Yeah, I filmed you. One. I filmed you once in front of the TV um, as a sort of. Uh, uh, da, 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 back... Don't don't spill the beans. We haven't gotten there yet. I mean, oh. we might use that for another for another episode. I don't know. You want to give it all away? I think you this get, is you probably give the first the and last time we're going to have a talk about this. Okay, fine. So we did. Okay, so we did fright. We, we did, did fright. Uh, fright was where we, I was following you around the house, and then I sort of crash zoomed into you, and that was the end of it. Right. What else do you remember? Because I remember a lot of these. Go on. What else do you remember? Um, I remember the uh, the one that we did with the Back to the Future car. Oh, I was just going to say that one. Okay. So, so I had a, I, you had a grey, a large grey remote fantastic. control car. It was fantastic. It was so our father, um, you know, worked. He had a shop, and next to his shop was this guy who had the most amazing like toys and stuff. I remember us going there Kim. once. Yeah, I remember us going there. Well, I don't know if we can say his name, which is why I didn't say it. But um, okay, Mukim. So uh, you know, and you know, I we went there one time, and he was just like, "You can have whatever you want. Just take a take a toy." Right. Right. And it was that, and it was like this really cool silver remote controlled, you know. Yeah, but it also it looked like the. Um... First of all, it looked like the DeLorean. It looked in a way. nothing like the DeLorean. Well, I mean, it was silver. That was the problem. Right, yeah. And it, it looked quite like the uh, Honda that was in the driveway. That's the metric. It looks silver. Right. Therefore, DeLorean. <laughs> it looked like the Honda that was in the driveway. Shows so that how was much the point. We, know about we, cars. We, we shot us <laughs> getting into the car. And then I did a shot from above of the uh, remote control car in the driveway. Yeah. And then I made it disappear. Brilliant. And then I did a. Absolutely brilliant. I filmed the screen of the Back to the Future logo. Yeah, and we also had the Invisible Man or the Invisible Kid. The Invisible Kid. Do you remember that? No, I don't. We, so we, that was we do that? that was um, uh, I drank a potion and it made me invisible. And uh, you did that by having me uh, freeze, and then you'd pause the camera, and then I'd step out of shot, and then I would disappear, and then you had me uh, turn on the tap. Uh, out of shot and the tap would turn on and then suddenly I'd touch it and I'd appear so the water would would be what made the effect wear off of the invisible man serum um, there was that there was a kid boxer do you remember that one <laughs> no. that was a well that was a brilliant one that was also from the POV of the of the I don't know I was fighting the camera and whatever and then you had a shot I remember distinctly with that one that you had a very imaginative shot of, of you know me leaning against the wall and you underneath me um, <laughs> from a down below sort of oh, shot Oh that was that was my shining shot Yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, you know sort of not being able to beat the uh, the camera as it were so I was very upset about it um I think Oscar winning moments for me really uh we had one where there was a bomb in the house and that was uh, our mother's kitchen timer Mhm uh, counting down uh, from 10 and me realizing it. And once again, the dolly zoom. The dolly zoom. Uh, and, and then, then you I filmed you, me. Yeah. yeah, against the explosion from speed. You had me in, in front of a couple of explosions because you weren't pleased with the speed one. So you used Yeah, because speed, in the speed you one, you could, see the, you could see the bus. The bus, exactly. You used gross point blanks uh, exploding shop. Yeah. Um, you had me jump uh, in front of the, like towards the camera and then a shot of me looking at the supposedly exploded house. 
Um, and then a picture of me in fr- uh, uh, sorry, frames of me in front of the um, TV. And I remember you used Terminator 2. Um, but you also had a problem with that one, is that the explosion at the beginning then fades into the face of John Connor. Right. Um, so you, you kept on like, that, oh, damn, that face keeps on coming in. Um, so all in all, I'd say that you've had a rather varied career before you even really moved, um, you know, to Israel and started doing, uh, doing this. So. <laughs> and I thought it'd be good to bring it up because, uh, I like nothing more than embarrassing you with the stories. <laughs> of course you do. So shall we continue? <laughs> okay. What today, uh, well, today and next week, we'll be talking about an undisputed classic, uh, a disputed classic, and a movie that is undisputedly not a classic. Uh, we're not talking about Trolls. It is, of course, Ghostbusters. So, how many times have you seen this film? You mean in general or before today's podcast? Because there may before be today's more than <laughs> once. I may, have, I may have watched it and then watched it again. Yeah. So you have a movie that you watch. You call it your um, uh, your sort of sick movie, right? Uh, which is that thing you do. You watch it when you're sick. You watch it to. F- it's your feel good movie. Yeah, it's my um, feel good movie. There's that and Groundhog Day and yeah. Gross Point Blank. There's a bunch of those. So I'd say, and I only realized this this time that Ghostbusters is that for me. Uh, Ghostbusters is a movie that it's I can watch over and over and over again. And I have watched it when I'm sick, and I've watched the second one when I'm sick, and also when I'm down. Um, and I I could. I can't really explain why. It's just I I find so much comfort in these characters and in this story and in the way that it's told and just the the feeling of it. It's very eighties and it's very fun for me. I'm guessing answer the call didn't make you feel that way. Not as such, no, not in so many words. <laughs> um, but what I was gonna I was gonna ask you if we could do a little bit of context on uh, Ghostbusters for you because I think for me Ghostbusters is definitely an over the banister experience, um, and I think that we can also explain what Over the Bannister means. Right. Um, So I remember my earliest memories of Ghostbusters being in school. In school? Yeah. And um, some of the kids had lunchboxes with Ghostbusters 2. This is around 1989. Um, And I had a Ghostbusters 2 lunchbox as well at some point uh, with holographic stickers that I stuck on it uh, that I think I got from the local uh, newsagent. And... um, yeah, I remember watching... Um, oh, there was also a Ladybird book randomly in the school library. Of Ghostbusters. Of Ghostbusters 2. Interesting. Um, that I used to read obsessively. I used to hide it behind the other books so the other Did kids wouldn't find it. you used to read it, it religiously? <laughs> mm. uh, so, yeah, there was that. And uh, I remember the real Ghostbusters, obviously. And I remember watching Ghostbusters 2 over the banister. Right. So we had our staircase um, had a big white banister that you could hide behind. And um, the living room was right opposite it. And if the living room door was open, you could see what the parents were watching on TV. And uh, I used to watch lots of things over the banister. So did I, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> did I teach you that? I, I think, or did you just figure it I out? I don't know. Like, I don't think it takes rocket scientists to sort of come up with that Because they never figured it out. They never figured it out. And we, we had... Um, it was... It was sort of like uh, like a thriller, you know, because we had uh, creaks in certain steps. Um, so uh, absolutely, I I remember I remember you were watching uh, Scream Two, ooh. and I I remember very carefully like creeping down the stairs, trying not to. You make came any noise. to me the next day and you said, "Sydney, I want you to tell me what the fuck is going on here." And how old were you? I'm really fucking surprised 
that you remember that because I was just going to bring that up and say, do you remember that I did that? I'm yeah. really impressed. Yeah, I think uh, Leif that Schreiber is, uh, you was out. your first F word. Yeah, it was. It must have freaked you out a little bit. That like, oh, God, you little bastard. You were watching, weren't you? I said that? Probably. But I remember that very, very vividly that that was, uh, you know, yeah. Okay, well, we're not talking about Scream 2. We're talking no, about we're Ghostbusters. Talking about Ghostbusters. Um, so, yeah, so Ghostbusters 2 I saw over the banister and um, really enjoyed it and probably got scared shitless by certain scenes. Um, and then the original Ghostbusters I saw a little bit later on. I was still a kid, mm-hmm. but certain things freaked me out. I was more scared of Ghostbusters than Ghostbusters 2. There are moments. There are moments. Um I I remember obviously loving it because you know there was the song and there was the cartoon and the comic books. I I had some comic books as Quamic well. Books. Yeah, yeah, comic books. <laughs> Barry Allen is the Flash. Uh, yeah, so I, Ghostbusters was very very near and dear to me in uh, when I was a kid. Yeah, I think that um I, my memories of it are very sort of uh, fragmented until until like uh, actually watching it. So they're very sort of like, I remember bits. I remember um, Venkman coming up uh, against Slimer and uh, Slimer sliming him. I remember yeah. that. And the, the whole, that whole thing yeah. where he's, chasing, he's running down the, the corridors looking for him. Sorry, that sounded like Fozzy Bear, actually, now that I think about it. But Venkman does That's make that noise. That's kind of what he sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Trying to think what else. Uh, oh, uh, I remember aim for the flat top and uh, her jumping over the beams. I remember that. Uh, I also remember the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. So there's like a lot of things that are just fragmented images. Like you're going to get that a lot. Like we also had that last time with Hocus Pocus. That I was telling you very like fragmented stuff. Um, but, right. you know, it's like from very early on uh, in, in child childhood. A child. <laughs> a child. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry we'll get there um so um would you like to play with me the tagline game i would i would i just wanted to tell you that i uh i actually didn't come prepared this time with uh some of my own uh and i don't feel confident enough to ad-lib it so i okay. think we're just gonna go with the the way that you imagined it instead of me trying to ruin it <laughs> okay all right so here are your three taglines are you ready i am ready okay I'm waiting. Yeah, yeah. Have a nice end of the world. Okay. The supernatural spectacular. It's not that one. Go on. Death is no way to make a living. Okay. That's it? Those are my three? Those are your three. It's not the second one. Wait, I was going to say... One of these is the tagline, yes? One of these is the tagline. It actually is this time. Can you, yeah. can you read through them again? Okay. Not the second one. I know it's not the second one. All right. If it's the second one, I'm going to be so annoyed. Have a nice end of the world. Have a nice end of the world, yeah. The supernatural spectacular. Mm-hmm. Death is no way to make a living. What happens if I get it wrong? Um, we're not actually timing this. The death spectacular, or no, the death. Spe- no, death is no way to make a living. The supernatural spectacular, right. and have a nice end of the world. Uh, death is no way to make a living. No, that uh-uh. is incorrect. Okay, the correct spelling of flan is p p p p t. 
We had a speaking spell. <laughs> we had a speaking spell. <laughs> and Jonathan is now attempting to imitate it. Um, quite well, actually. Well, I don't know why I said it attempting. Used to, it used to say, spell. That like, is incorrect. <laughs> spell what? <laughs> okay, so which one was it? It was, in fact, the Supernatural Spectacular. So the one that I said it's not. The one that you said is not. The other two are Have a Nice End of why the World. Why would they do that one? Have a Nice End of the World. That was Evolution. I also, figured it wasn't that. Also uh, directed directed by Ivan Reitman, I think, no? Evolution? Mm. I think so. I, I don't know. I, I should have checked that before. And Death is No Way to Make a Living is The Frighteners. That makes so much sense. See, this is the thing. I'm really rubbish at this game because I don't pay attention to taglines for movies at all. Neither do I, but that's uh, I, I only know as, uh, a few. I might have known that it was the Supernatural Spectacular. The other one was They're Here to Save the World, but you might have got that. That's a little bit I would have. I, yeah, I yeah. think I would have gotten that one. Yeah, so I... Um, uh, okay. I like to give myself that much credit, I think. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was great. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, shall we get into the nitty of the gritty? Let's do it. Okay. Do we need to summarize the film or we don't need to summarize the I don't think so. I think that if you haven't seen Ghostbusters, Go away, there watch is it now. no reason for us to talk about what the synopsis of the movie is because they can do it much better than we ever will. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what the hell are you doing here? Go watch it and then come back and listen. Or don't. Uh, give us a shit. Go on. So <laughs> on, your, uh, on your last viewing or viewings... How did you, uh, is there anything new that you noticed? Is there anything that uh, that made you feel a certain way that you never felt before? Um, there were some moments um, that made me laugh that I wasn't, like little uh, gestures or re- reactions to things that I know very well and just like, note- like for once sort of glancing at other characters and seeing how they react to it. Uh, mostly uh, between the Ghostbusters themselves, like I, I was really, I was really struck this time by the relationship between the three of them. Um, and just how you can tell they're like they 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 expand on this I think a little bit more in the third one, but how they're like just very they're friends in the third one in the second one I mean in the second one for God's sake, um, <laughs> not, not even started, yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, we're we're eighteen minutes in, so you know. Yes, and we haven't even started. <laughs> so the uh, yeah no so in the second one they expand on this the relationship between them is is just like it's a lot of fun. There's little things like you know. Um, I'm going to take back a lot of things that I said about you, Egon. You, you've earned it, right? And then that little smile that Ray does. So apparently there was a, um, uh, there was supposed to be a thing that Egon snacks all the time. Oh yeah? kind of got lost. But it would have made much, much more sense why he's handing him a nut crunch bar. No, but also it's just like, it, it, it's little things like that that... I don't necessarily need an explanation. There's no, obviously an in-joke between friends here right. that I think it is... It gives it a little bit more depth because yeah. there there's sort of a life outside of what you've just seen yeah. or what you're about to see or whatever it is. Yeah, and I don't need that particular one explained to me, but I think that the smile that spreads across Ray's face in that moment is just very... very like, that's what I noticed yeah. this time. And I've noticed it before, but it just stood out to me. What about you? Um, I noticed a lot... I mean, I've always thought about the sort of outsider quality of winston mm-hmm. um and i always uh i was it's always sort of bothered me um and uh, this time around i was looking for it right um i i think that possibly there's less of it than i than i remember because i remember i told you before before we watched them that ghostbusters 2 he seemed very it was almost as if they were antagonistic towards him, and and maybe I'm remembering that wrong, uh, because in Ghostbusters two he's actually a little bit more involved. 
Um, but they still find ways to, to sort of exclude him because originally um, the part of Winston was going to be played by Eddie Murphy. Right. And he was going to have a much larger role. And there's that clique of uh, Saturday Night Live uh, cast members. Uh, and so obviously the the three of them came up together, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd and, uh, and uh, Bill Murray. Uh, and originally John Belushi was going to play the Bill Murray role, but he died right. while Dan Aykroyd was writing it. So in any case, the the, the core three are a clique and, uh, and Winston sort of comes in later on, sort of halfway through the movie and isn't a scientist, uh, doesn't have a backstory to speak of and is sort of pushed to the back. There's also a shot right at the end when they're looking up at the building. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a hero shot and you've got the, the wind fans blowing on them and... Uh, and whatnot, and um, he's sort of behind one of them, out of focus. Right. It's framing the three of them. Uh, so it's it's an interesting uh, kind of thing that it's uh, it's almost like they wanted to have a, a black character in there for diversity, but they sort of pushed him to the to the background. Yeah, I didn't. Here's the thing: it could be because I watched the movie with blinders on. I don't know, but like I, right? I I just didn't. I don't. I I was watching this movie with the intention of uh, having lots and lots of things to say about it, just like pulling it to pieces and whatever. But it's it's very hard for me to watch it and not just get swept up by it and enjoy it. Um, yeah, there's nothing really to pull to pieces. It's kind of a perfect movie. It's not. Look, I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, for me I, it is, no, for me as sure. well, because you, you're talking about nostalgia. You're talking about you know the. It makes you feel a different way, right? Because... But like, even look. I mean, before we watched Hocus Pocus, right? I was also like, you know, this is a, an amazing movie. But you know, we were watching it, and then there were things to really, right, really take apart. And I, I think that, that there's so much, uh, there's such amazing pacing in the movie. I've I never feel the time go by. I get bummed out when I realize we're in the final stretch, right? Um, and and the same about the second one too. I don't feel the time going by. I just I'm loving every moment that I'm spending with the characters. Um, the designs of the ghosts, which we'll get into in a bit, is like, you know, it's, just, it's, it's always exciting for me. And, and it's really funny because I said to you, I'll watch it again now, right after I finished it. Um, and I didn't end up watching the whole movie because, you know, a person's got to work. Um, but I was, I had it on, uh, in the background while I was working. I was watching bits of it and just like, I, I just really love it. And I, I, I the thing with... Winston is that if you ask me how many Ghostbusters there are, I say four. Right. Right. Like it's not like I go, I oh, the movie did its of... job of of pushing him to the sidelines. Like I, I also think that he has, he is heroic. He does. He there's even this moment where, uh, you know, he helps Peter up on the on the roof. Right. Um. You know, like after they've all been uh, pushed. He also back. rescues them in two. He rescues them into that moment with the fire extinguisher. Right. Um, and, and there's, there's multiple moments and it's, it's, um, you know, definitely ha- there's more of a, uh, a spotlight on him in the, in the second one. Like they put a lot more effort into showing him as one of the, uh, core, uh, core group, but it's, um, but I think it's that, just not that something that detracts from it. For right. Me. Of course not. I'm, I'm not saying it detracts from it. It's just very interesting to, uh, to look at it through the lens of today. Uh, Soda. There you go. Continue. If you're an avid listener, you've been waiting for that for the last 23 minutes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting to look at it through the lens of today. I think the idea of the four Ghostbusters, for me, more comes from the cartoon. Um, because they're a little mm. bit more equal there. 
So aside from Winston, um, also another thing uh, that we've been talking about, and you know, we we're talking about in No Time to Die, we're talking about Bond girls and their representation today, and 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 what it all means, etc. Uh, Peter is uh, is is portrayed as a bit of a cad. Mm. He's uh, he's not really a very nice character. I mean, the first scene that you see him in, he's trying to get laid with a student. Yeah. Um, by lying. <laughs> Yeah. Um and uh he's he's not a particularly nice guy. Um and and then later on he's he's a stalker. He's stalking uh, Dana. He's he's very aggressive with his advances. She's obviously not interested at the beginning. And um and even like the the their kiss at the end is very awkward. Yeah. Um and I I just found that very interesting. But then again, uh, while I was watching it, I was also thinking about the fact that he's not portrayed as a nice character from the from the get go. Yeah. Um. He's uh, he's kind of like Basil Fawlty in that way. He's like a character that you that you um you don't necessarily like, but you laugh at him. You think he's funny, uh. But he's he's an asshole. You wouldn't want to hang out with him. Um. You know, I I I'm thinking about what you're saying now, and I'm definitely I'm. I'm agreeing with some of it. Is, is some of it? The thing is, is that he's um, he he's a bit of an anti-hero, in in so much as he he right. was looking to make money from this, right? It wasn't. But I think right. that as he, the movie he goes on, he does his show way to sell his childhood home. <laughs> he does show um, hero her, heroism and and I think also in the second one that he shows like a lot of in the second one he's he's much. He's very different. It, it feels almost like he's matured because if you think about it, he does go through a rather interesting arc. You know, he's he's a he's a bit of a fraudster. You know, he's like you said, he's trying to um, sleep with a student who, uh, you know, and he's lying to her and um, telling her that she has telepathic abilities when she doesn't. Um, and you know, like also giving sorts the other of, guy electricity. Yeah, giving the other guy like yeah. Well, that's just funny. Um, I think I'd do that too, just for laughs, because of that guy's hair. But anyway, the the point is that there's like um. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, um, I think build up of his character of, of, you know, I think also it kind of changes once, um, you know, he comes across Dana and she's been possessed and she kind of says to him, like, you know, have sex with me. And you can tell, like, he starts joking around, but there are notes of him being right. genuinely worried about her and, and he, he wants to, you know, and then. You know, later on, he, he's actually genuinely very upset that he thinks she's been, you know, burnt to a crisp or whatever it is. Right. So I think that I'm not, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not excusing his behavior. I do think it's a product of the time when things were different. And that kind of also sounds like I'm excusing it. But there's, I just really like this movie and these characters. I'm trying to protect them, I guess. But what I'm saying is I'm playing devil's advocate here because... I, I want to sort of put forth the idea that it's okay to write characters who are considered protagonists, yeah, but that are flawed, that are flawed and do things that are not necessarily morally right. Okay. Um, because there was a lot of talk about about Bond in uh, in No Time to Die, and there was a lot of talk about um, you know how how certain characters are portrayed. Um, in the uh, in in movies, etc. I I don't think that every character necessarily needs to be a role model, uh, and there was yeah. a conscious decision to soften him up in the in the sequel because um, it was only around the time of the sequel that the cartoon gained popularity, and, right. and they realized that it was a family franchise as opposed to you know just a comedy for you know for adults. Yeah, 
I, I actually didn't watch the cartoon growing up, but I, I actually was thinking about this uh, the other day, is that I'd, I think I'd really like to watch it like from yeah. beginning to end, just because... I, I don't want to, because I, I don't want to have that besmirched. <laughs> I... <coughs> Bless you. Well, I lasted a long time. I apologize to our listeners. I am, I've been sick for a week, and I'm at the coughing stage, and I'm trying very, very hard not to cough into the microphone. Uh, so, yeah. Where were we? What were we talking about? The cartoon, you don't want it besmirched. I, yes, I don't want to uh, besmirch the memory of that. Although, uh, I did revisit Batman the Animated Series, and that is awesome. So, Yeah, there are some that still hold up. You never know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there were there were a lot of conscious decisions to uh, uh, you know that were influenced uh, in the second movie by the cartoon. For example, the inclusion of Slimer. Slimer wasn't a thing. Uh, it was just you know a, a, it was called Onion Head. I believe they called him Onion Head in the. Uh, Actually, in the I didn't movie. know that. Um, <laughs> and uh, and that, that he was just like sort of a one-off ghost, and they they uh, brought him into the cartoon, and because of his popularity, so they brought him into the sequel. Uh, and Janine's look as well. Janine changed her look to be uh, to look a little bit more like the Janine of the cartoon. Uh, but I, I but what I'm saying is that there are a lot of questionable things that that the character of Venkman does. Mm. But why is that not okay if that is the character? Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's first of all, you're not saying why is it not okay to behave like that. You're saying why is it not okay that a character in a movie behaves like certain people do in the real world? Like, you know, it's Correct. okay for them to be portrayed as, as people with flaws and issues. And and I think the because fact that he does... Because you use the word anti-hero as well, which, yeah. is a, which is very interesting because... That is what he, he's not necessarily... He doesn't want to be a hero necessarily. I don't he think wants to any make the of money. them do. Exactly. He wants to make money. Um, uh, Ray is uh, just basically in it to, you know, to make scientific discoveries. He's and excited about everything to do right. with this subject. And, and Egon as well is, is he's, he's a, he's an egghead, you know, he's like, he's, a, right. he's a, it, for them, it's about the science for Peter. It's about the money and the hustle. Right. Right. Um, and for Ernie Hudson, it's uh, for Winston. It's about, you know, uh, I need money and I want a job and this, you know, he's like, if if this, if there's money in it and you pay me, like, I'll do whatever you want, you know, I'll right. believe whatever you say. And, you know, he, he then becomes a believer and, and starts like connecting with the team. Um, and I, I think that, I think that there's a very interesting, like, I don't think that a lot of people think about these things when they watch the movie. Maybe they do and we're just really dense, but like, <laughs> until we make a podcast, but, you know, it's like, it just seems to me like there's a, there's a very interesting progression of the characters. And I also think Dana as well, um, being very closed off, um, at the beginning of the movie, um, she doesn't really talk to Lewis. Uh, she doesn't like him. She rolls her eyes at him a lot. Um, you know, she, she doesn't. Uh, you know, she doesn't really want Venkman in her house. Um, and you know what? Well, like he he he's persistent because you know, well, he's as you said, he's a little bit aggressive in his advances. But you see her soften as the movie goes on. And I right. don't know why the kiss is so awkward at the end of the movie. Um, maybe that's on purpose because it's their first kiss and they didn't really go on a date. I guess. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, I it feels like he's kind of being portrayed as somebody who's certifiable. Yeah. He's not entirely sane. Yeah. He's a little um, bit nutty. Yeah. But, you know, there are lots of people like that who have just very odd right. um, character quirks. Um, I've got a fan you know. theory. Oh, okay. That maybe it's... Uh, about this. About Peter. 
Okay, I'm listening. That maybe his character in What About Bob is, in fact, Peter. And all of the Ghostbusters movies are taking place in his head. This is your fan theory. This is my fan theory. I just came up with this. I don't know. You hate fan theories, though. Like, I that do. That sort of thing annoys you. But I, it that's does. actually a, a, quite a good one, actually, I think. That's fun. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun that you, yeah, that you, you hate them, but you were able to come up with a better one than the actual fan theories online, probably. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. Anyway, I just, I don't know where to go from there. I'm, like, lost. <laughs> Yeah, what's next? What's next? What do we do next? We want to talk about dreams. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the ghost design? Um, yeah. Um, so first of all, I have a lot of information about just the uh, the VFX, but we can start with we can start with the design. So soda. Nice. So I want to talk about the ghost design because um, the the movie has a very specific identity and a very specific tone, and it's not something that is easily shoved into a box it's a comedy it's a horror but it's a horror comedy uh but it's also not a laugh out loud comedy it's not one of those things that you know it's a joke a minute like you can see the 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 that's the big difference for me between uh ghostbusters one and two and answer the call is the answer the call is a uh is a sort of judd apatow style joke fest yeah um and um and there's a lot of very broad comedy that goes on in that movie including fart jokes um, and the comedy in Ghostbusters is very subtle and very situational. Yeah. And, um, you know, and there's some fantastic, fantastic moments and lines there. Like, even down to the little things, like the, uh, you know, Venkman jumping over his, uh, his gate. Yeah. When, uh, you know, when, when Sigourney Weaver first, when Dana first walks into the, uh, firehouse. The way and that he, you see him pop up like that. Over yeah. The, and he almost Janine's... doesn't clear it as well. Like, yeah. you, you see these, like, toe kind of graze the gate. Um, or Egon's face when he's going down the pole, like that look yeah, of unbridled fear. fear. You know, like, there's, there's tiny little things like that, but then there's those moments of, uh, are you Alice menstruating right now? What has that got to do with it? Back, Back off, off, man. man. I'm, I'm a scientist. scientist. You know, but it's like, it's not like, you know, ha ha ha. It's like, it's it's very subtle no, comedy. I, I, I have a lot to say about Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Um, but, but we'll, we'll talk with, about that with in regards the second episode. To, with regards to the design... Um, I can't really tell you um, specifically what they're being influenced by. Like, I'm not the kind of artist who will say, oh, yes, this is a, a Monrogel blue. Um, and, and they've been very influenced by Flobligamblings and, uh, and, and Pomfumflumps. You know, so, like, I, cu- I could say that, and I, I probably I just did. Um, but it's absolute horse shit. And I think that artists who do that are also full of shit, because if they expect other people to know um, what the hell they're talking about... Like, okay, so let's try and talk P- about how I... Pomfulflumps, yeah. It's a thing, look it up. Diddly um, diddly do. Okay. <laughs> but but you, you can't say my diddly do. <coughs> Sorry that you're not feeling well. Um, I'm, I, I'm a trooper it. that you're doing this, anyway. What I was going to say is that... Um, the way that I like to sort of break down design is sort of what does it make me think of? And I can definitely understand why the animated series was so um, successful because they did follow a lot of the... They took a lot of the ghost design, um, you know, sort of... I'm going to say skeletal structure and sort of translate that to the to the animated series and and it's it's very it's very cartoony it's very stylized and when we say so that's stylized the thing. I, I feel like it's unique i it, I, it I, is it, i attribute that look to ghostbusters not even not even answer the call really managed to successfully they don't. adapt they that don't style. and there's there's a lot of reasons why i was right. breaking this apart when i was watching the movie okay but not now put no, a pin I know. put a pin in it. but put a pin in it yeah. and condolences okay. um but what <laughs> 
um, what what sort of stands out to me is just how like I I've been trying to think about what like I was thinking about Star Wars, okay, and their animatronics. Um, and there's nothing really that's, that I could look at there and say, this is very stylized. This is, they've got these, you know, um, animals that all look like alien animals that could be on different planets. Like, even the Ewoks are not particularly what I would call stylized. Um, and stylized is basically, um, it's it's not realism and it's not cartoony, but it's like, it's it's basically taking that realism and pushing it to... To, towards cartoon, it's finding like an interesting middle ground there where it's it's just pushed in these very interesting and appealing looking directions, right? Right. Um, and so, so t- striking to me, that balance between cartoony and frightening, I think, yeah. Is also, and, and, because I was when gonna, I was a kid, I was, I was scared say, of it. Yeah. No, I was going to say that, and I, I think the I think that f- for me specifically, when when I'm talking about the design of the ghosts in Ghostbusters, there's there's the design of things like um, you know the librarian. Uh, which is a, you know, it's an actress, and then they, they had her, uh, um, they made a mold of her, you know, and, and, and made an animatronic, um, you know, puppet that was, not animatronic puppet, it was actually just a, a puppet that was controlled by, uh, you know, strings and wires and things. Uh, but they did have an animatronic uh, rig on it that would, uh, you know, sort of make her arms go upwards and uh, rip open her shirt mm. so that, you know, and her mouth open uh, for that for that scream shot at the beginning of the movie. Um, and obviously they added all those other effects on top of it. Um, and I think... Get her. And I- get her. <laughs> get her. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, like, for me, it... For, for someone like, um, and I, I'm sorry we keep we talking about this, and I know that she's, she's not going to be happy about this, but, you know, um, I think that um, someone who hasn't grown up with these movies or or who isn't really into animatronics and things like Shosh. Hi, Shosh. Hi, Shosh. I love you. Um, but like, please stay married to me. Um, but the... <laughs> save a drowning man. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I think that there is a sort of crowd of people who just it 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 doesn't interest them anymore right like they they they're used to the fact that nowadays we have these things that can get pretty close to realism or that will use these new sophisticated technologies and like i'm still i i really i obviously as a 3d artist i love uh, movies with good CG. Like, you give me a movie with really good CG with great details and things like that, I will I will lap it up. And, you know, like Thanos, when I saw that in the cinema, and I was like, get away from me, how do they do this? His 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 pores and or skin pores and his wrinkles is crazy. But watching something like Labyrinth, which is stylized, if you look at Hoggle. Hoggle? Right? Yeah. Um, very stylized looking character. Obviously humanoid, obviously based off of some kind of uh, you know, fantasy dwarf or, or gnome or whatever, um, and also animatronic, and it's very expressive. And I think that the the ghosts and the design of the ghosts allow for them to be very expressive and very stylized, and also quite frightening. Right. And it's just exciting to me to talk about. It. I'm sorry, I can't, we can talk about something else. But I was just like, no, 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 I love this. I, it's um, it it has a certain charm that you can't realize in in CG. It just doesn't work. I think you can, but I, I think that you have to make um, great... You have to take great lengths to push it towards... Um, because one of, one of the things that, that is so special about Ghostbusters, and even though they are non-corporeal, uh, you know, apparitions um, in, you know... Class 4, class vapor. 5, free-roaming vapor. Right? right. A real nasty one, too. <laughs> right? Um, is, 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 what's so great about it is that 
because they're animatronic, and I also felt this about Star Wars versus the, you know, The Force Awakens, is that there's a certain grounding in reality because these are real-life objects that have just been sort of superimposed. There's there's something about it. And I noticed about the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer that uh, there's a shot of um, Zool or a Zool-like... Uh, right. creature CG. running around there's one that's cg and then there's one in the supermarket chasing after paul rudd it's it's sort of um eating a packet of something you can tell it's very clearly animatronic they're doing a mix they've not forgotten right. their roots jurassic world style yeah and i think that that's a very yeah that is a brilliant example thank you yes i Force couldn't... awakens is also an example of that they also did a mix yeah they did but there were certain animals that i could just i was going this is um this is overly cg and they've not taken the time to sort of ground it in in reality so i think that one portion yeah i don't remember the movie well enough to what force awakens yeah that was simon pegg's character oh right okay yeah so that's a great example um although they did do some practical stuff there, i think they just like replaced his face his face um but basically what i'm what i'm getting at is that the the design of these ghosts being stylized, I think that you could do something like that. And even I'm considering, now that I'm so into the Ghostbusters thing right now, if I find some time in my schedule, I want to do like a a Slimer sculpt or, or even just my own, uh, you know, version of that style to see if I can recapture that in 3D and just try and get those textures right and make it look like it's it's sort of latexy and and plastic but right. see-through. And, and that's a quality that they could recapture in CG if they tried to understand the materials and the lighting conditions of those original um, objects that were right. in the real world, but they, they just didn't because they went very full on on the CG in the, in the new one. So this is my, my constant struggle, my push-me-pull-you between, um, you know, what is truly quality and great and what is nostalgia? Because there is a case to be made for puppetry and animatronics and, uh, you know, doing stunts for real, et cetera, et cetera. That it has a tangible feel to it. That you can, you feel like you could reach into the screen and touch it. And when I see something that's CG, I feel like it's not really there. Yeah. I'm always imagining the actor acting against nothing. Um, a lot of the time, you know, I'm, I'm drawn into the movie and maybe it doesn't, uh, you know, but, it, but if I see something that's, um, that is so obviously CG that there's a, there's a, a join there somewhere, mm-hmm. it'll take me out of it. Um, and, uh, and the, the, the animatronics of, uh, of yesteryear, as it were, um, are very, uh, very tangible and, and, uh, and they, they sort of, they make me feel like they're, like they're really there because they really are there. Are. However, then you have the sort of the stop motion quality, which to me is all about nostalgia. I don't know if that's really great or if it's just something I love to see and it gives me the warm fuzzies because of nostalgia. Um, the stop motion takes me out of it a little bit right. just because of the fact that they didn't uh, composite it very well um, onto the movie. Like I'm talking specifically about uh, Zool. Zool. Because uh, um, well, what they... Is it Zool or the... It, oh, it's... Um, the Hellhound. The Hellhound. It's um, uh, Vince Clortho. Keymaster Goji. Are you the gatekeeper? Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, no, so uh, perishing frames, <laughs> perishing frames, perishing frames, or for flumfuls, or whatever I said. Um, the Wombles of Wimbledon. Yeah. Anyway, uh, diddly diddly do. So what I was going to say about the 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 the, the, the Hellhound and the 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 fact that uh, the animatronics are brilliant, but it has a very limited range of movement. I think that nowadays, if you look at the Dark Crystal, um, sort of. Is it a prequel series that they did on Netflix? Yeah. Um, the animatronics have 
really come a long way. It's puppetry, right? But there's yeah. a lot of animatronics in the faces. Of... But is there stop motion? Stop motion is dead, I think. No, they didn't use stop motion for that. Because, uh, but they, it's not dead. There's still there are still movies that are made with stop motion, like you know movies but, that are made with stop motion. Yes, but and not, and but it's come a long use way. That as a as a sort of character in a live action movie. Anyway. I'm not sure. I, I so I'm racking my brain, but like the, I'm I'm sure that there is something that they did that. But the the thing is, is I think it's just um, cheaper and possibly, or or maybe it's less time consuming. Obviously, it's less time consuming to do it in. CGI. This is before there was um, CG, you know. So it's like right. they the solutions that they came up with were brilliant. The the other thing that really um, really helps is that when you have a puppet that is being controlled by a person, it is moving in a way that a person can move it, and therefore that kind of makes it very um, even more tangible when it when it's put into CG. When it's put into like a CG world, um, they can do they can take all sorts of liberties with it, which will often often give it some kind of floating quality, uh, which is, you know, not, not always. There are, there are some really great examples of it, but it is what I felt with, um, you know, Answer the Call. I, 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 I really do like a lot of things about that movie. Which we'll, we'll get there. We'll I, was, I'm, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm crapping on it, but... I'll, t- I'm, I'll tell you yeah. what it is. Um, you know the, uh, the trailer for Uncharted that came out this week? God. <laughs> so there's, that, there's one shot of, uh, of Tom Holland kind of flipping in midair. Yeah, that is that that sort of stock CG stuntman flipping in midair yeah. that you always see. You mean on the plane where he's flipping out the I back? I think it's on the plane. I don't remember, but yeah, I, it's uh, it's it's something that always takes me out of it. Um, I I I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that I would expect them to do a stunt like that uh, for real nowadays. But um, well, no. I mean, when you watch a movie with Tom Cruise and you know that the stunts that he's doing are real, like in Mission right. Impossible, like you. But it, that it, one's particularly like tricky because they're chucking things out the back of the plane at him yeah i don't know that i'm sure that i'm I'm sure that it's very dangerous or whatever i'm just like i'm saying that there are um stunts that are done for real um that are are there done for real because they they want to make you feel like the imminent danger is a reality so that's why i bring that up is that kind of like sort of rubbery that rubbery quality that makes it just look not believable it makes it oh sorry oh fuck i did it um so no i just screwed it up um just hold hold the uh hold the the, 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 cup up to the microphone there you go. There you go, I got it. That's ASMR right there. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's it for me on the design. Like, I think uh, I think that specifically speaking about the design, I can go on and on and on, but the stylized look is something that just speaks to me, and I think the fact that it's all done with animatronics is brilliant. I actually have specific facts, but when we get to VFX Corner, uh, we will talk a bit more about it, so uh, we'll see you there. Can I ask you some questions, uh, perhaps, about uh, the movie's pacing and, you know, the acting and whatnot. Like, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on how it's made, just, like, from a filmmaker's perspective. Right. Um, because I actually noticed this time just just how well-paced it is. Like, it feels like the... You know, they spend the right amount of time learning their equipment. They manage to get across to you really, really quickly that, you know, they're they're getting quite good at it and they're getting famous. I just wanted to know, like, what you think about the arcs and the, you know, just, like, how it's made. I have one word for you. Montage. That is just... I mean, it's such an 80s thing. I mean, it's a, you do see it nowadays, but it's 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 just the best way to get that amount of information across in, in a short period of time. But it's it can be done wrong, montage. and I don't feel that they did do it wrong here. 
No, no, it's just a, it's a great montage. They there's, did it again montage, in the second one. <laughs> yeah, and that's also a great montage. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I mean, yeah, it's a, you you can't go wrong with with that. I mean, it's just brilliant. Did just they do so a montage in the in answer the call? I don't I think they did. Don't think they did. No. More fool them. It's their mistake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, I the pacing of the movie. It it is perfectly paced. There are some things that are so very obviously cut out that um, you're kind of missing the. Uh, what do you mean? I'm saying that that there are remnants of things that um, that were cut out. That, that I mean, I don't understand what the whole phantasmic fellatio thing is. Right. And I was going to ask you about there's that. There's a bigger scene. Of, uh, there's a bigger scene there. Do you I, know I, about it? I didn't. No, I, I have read about it, but I can't remember. I just don't. I it's don't understand it, and I don't understand the why they left it in. Like it's 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 always confused me. I remember. Right. Do you know what I remember? Actually, was this your way of getting out of explaining it to me when I was a kid? Mm-hmm. Was I said to you, Johnny, what's that about? And you were like, uh, I don't know. And you literally just got up and walked away from me. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> and I was just like, I was just thinking about that when the movie when when it showed up in the movie. I'm always reminded of you doing that. I think it was just the best, like, get up and walk away to avoid an awkward conversation. Brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. But it, it is kind of, it is kind of random. And, um, and it's kind obviously of. part of something bigger. Uh, and it's also the, the thing that, um, that pushed it to a 12. Um, I mean, it was originally PG, but, um, but nowadays when the BBFC re-rated it, they, they rated it 12 because of that scene. It's really? kind of random. It could it could have come out very very easily. It could have come out. Yeah. Um, and a it's lot just of so that you can get that whole do 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 like you know music. It was just to fill that bit with that little instrumental. I guess. I'm sure they could have just done more of them catching ghosts. To be honest. <laughs> oh poor bastard, aren't you? <clears throat> I'm doing quite well. I think so. Yeah. Let me just have another drink. Soda. See, that's going to get old if I keep doing it. Yeah, you can only do it like once or twice in right. an episode. Well, now I've done it three times, so we have to stop the episode and just call it quits. <laughs> okay, so we'll see you next time. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let me that Phantasmic fellatio, I have that written here. Lovely. <laughs> I just have lots of really cool facts about VFX. <laughs> I don't right. have anything about trivial behind the scenes. You want to talk about Walter Peck? Because that's interesting. Because Walter Peck is uh, is actually in another movie. He would be the protagonist. Um, I really like him. I know that that's like, I don't know. I I really I he's done he's done so well. He's not over the top. I feel that he's um, that's William Atherton, by the way, who uh, who played uh, Richard Thornburg in Die Hard. Yeah, the same character, basically. It's exactly the same character with exactly the same kind of just. If he does that again, you can shoot him. Yeah, there's 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 something uh, there's the thing where he goes because I want to I I want to know more about what you do here, right? Like the yeah. way he he sort of goes from being. This, uh, I guess, a lawyer or you know whatever he is, a pencil pusher. Um, I mean, like an environmental. Whatever, who gives a shit? He's a he's a pencil pusher. He's a pencil flang. neck. Yeah, right. he's a flang and bloom. He's so, a suit. You know, and he just sort of shows these horrible moments of like cutthroat um, ruthlessness, and you know. I also he, love he's slimy. He's he's right. Uh, sort of, he's got the moral high ground, but he's he's very slimy. Yeah, and he does kind of. You know, I I like. He says, you know, Ray, please, 
See the storage facility, Mr. Bankman. <laughs> um, and, and I think that that is just very... Um, it's a great moment where, you know, he's he's indulging Venkman. He thinks that he's, you know, an asshole, but he also thinks that he's quaint. Um, and at that point, I think he's just, like, playing along. Uh, but th- there's something under the surface of that line. So I, I really like him. I, I, I'm glad that they didn't bring him back for the second movie. Yeah. Um, because he was, he was I feel like he character. could have been overused. He got his, he got his comeuppance uh, with the marshmallow fluff. <laughs> which is the noise that he makes Did when he gets Did you say something about, like, the damn you Venkman or something like that? No, I just heard... <laughs> uh, no, that's what he's actually saying. I think I've got it written down here in my notes. Are you for serious? Because that will change my life. No, I don't have it written down here in my notes, but it is... Holy shit, how many notes did you take? These are not notes, this is like trivia. Oh, okay, we've not reached Trivia Corner, though. Do you, do you want to go to Trivia Corner? If we could take a break there, yes. Let's, uh, let's go and have a, let's go and have a cigarette over there. Trivia okay. Corner. Trivia. Um, so, the shot of Lewis um, at the party, when he comes in, he starts talking about the salmon and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That is all improvised. Of course it bloody is. <clears throat> Actually, there are a lot of things that are improvised yeah, I, in this movie. I also, uh, in my research, came across uh, a lot of uh, talk of the actors improvising, but that there were other actors on the set who weren't so into improv. But it depends what you mean by improvising, because a lot of the time in rehearsal, there's something that's improvised and then written into the script, and then on the day, yeah, when they actually uh, when they actually get to shooting it, it's something that's been sort of entered Annie, into Annie the scene. Potts is apparently very a stickler for the script, right? Um, and I think Sigourney Weaver as well. Uh, not so, not so into the improv. Well, Sigourney Weaver had um, had done a lot of comedy in uh, in college, I think. Had she? Okay, so maybe I'm talking so out my she, ass. No, no, no. But she wanted to. She had done a lot of serious, uh, a lot of serious movies, like you know, she was an alien and mm-hmm. working girl and whatnot. Um, so she wanted to show off her com- her comedic chops. Um, so it would stand to reason that she would she might have felt somewhat out of her depth at certain points. Yeah, I, I, I especially was watching, with the three of them riffing. I was watching an interview where she said something to uh, Bill Murray, where she said, um, you know, she wanted to talk about you know her character's arc. And he just wouldn't leave her alone for a few days, making fun of her every time she came to him. He'd go, "Yeah, the arc, the arc, right?" You know, like making fun of her. Um, and that's why I sent you a message saying Bill Murray just sounds like a bit of an asshole, really. And I sent um, you back that uh, by all accounts he 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 is. Yeah, I just feel um, that you know there are some actors who weren't really into it, but Lewis uh, improvising makes a lot of sense. The character of Winston was meant to have joined the team much earlier and would have been slimed at the hotel. If he was being played by Eddie Murphy. Okay. Which is was the original... Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, after this film, apparently William Atherton became reviled. Apparently one day, shortly after the film's release, Atherton was walking down a stretch of 7th Avenue in New York City, entirely crowded with school buses, when he heard lots of children shouting at the top of their lungs, Hey, Dickless. Brilliant. That makes me so happy. I can't even tell you. Uh, okay. Casting... Uh, casting a palooza. Uh, Michael Keaton apparently turned down both roles of Dr. Venkman and Dr. Egon Spengler. Spengler. Good, because that wouldn't have been very good casting. Okay, I don't know if you... You probably know this. This is actually common knowledge. Scenes in the montage of the Ghostbusters running and driving Ectomobile around New York were done on the first day largely largely without filming permits. In one scene, someone who looks like a security guard begins chasing them and Dan Aykroyd is driving the Ectomobile. I didn't know that. That's brilliant. Hmm... 
Uh, and this is also an interesting one. John Candy turned down the role of Lewis Tully because his ideas for the character were rejected. So apparently Rick Moranis and Ivan Reitman got on like a house on fire because they both uh, had a very sort of similar um, comedic understanding and comedic style. And that like, you know, that he, he really, they got, they got each other and they got the character and they got like what, what he wanted from it. And I, I, I saw that in an interview and that, you know, they, they just let him do what he wants to do. Like they let uh, Rick Moranis sort of go crazy with the improv on it. Mm hmm. Okay, so apparently uh, John Candy wanted to have uh, a German accent and a pair of schnauzer dogs. Oh, God. Uh, no one felt the German accent was appropriate for the character, and since there was already dog imagery in the movie, i.e. the hellhounds, uh, they felt having Tully own dogs was too much. Drop Brilliant. page. Lovely. <laughs> I don't know if that came through. That... It did. No, no, you okay. got it. You got it. Right. I heard it. Um, yeah, that was. that's it for this one. Thank you. Trivia, Trivia Corner. Corner. Okay, would you like to visit VFX Corner? Uh, what well, VFX Attic, I believe it's called now. <laughs> VFX Attic. <laughs> Join me in the VFX Attic. Where else can you see VFX in an attic other than VFX Attic? Oh, very good. That's just the jingle for VFX Attic. Um, <laughs> so... As I've already said, the ghosts uh, were puppets, and I've already talked about the um, librarian having, you know, the rig that sort of makes the shirt rip down the middle. Um, but uh, what I want to say is that any spook specters or ghosts that weren't puppets had to be animated in frame by frame. So one moment, one second of footage took three weeks Bloody to do. Hell. Uh, so those shots of Zool, uh, the hellhound... Uh, running around after Lewis Tully. See, that's uh, the thing. People make fun of that shot because it looks so herky-jerky and, and, and whatever, but, but they were running the out of time. Think about the work that went into it, They're right? running out of time and money. And um, also, if you remember, you know, back in 1984, there was no such thing as Ghostbusters. It wasn't a thing. So obviously, in the sequel, they had a little bit more leeway. And on this movie, they had constraints up the wazoo. So I have... I have um... I have a thing that I want to introduce into the podcast, um, which is uh, I, I I want to just name drop the visual effects supervisor of Do it. you know the movies um, because you know we know who the directors are and the actors and whatnot, but we don't really think about the person who is overseeing. And obviously, there are very large teams, uh, probably for these movies, uh, smaller teams, but. Nowadays in movies, the the teams are massive. That's why the you know the just the VFX house credits are so big. Um, but the v, uh, the visual effects supervisor for um, Ghostbusters is called John Bruno. Uh, I don't actually have extra information on him or any of the visual effects supervisors who I'm going to mention in this episode. But I will endeavor in the future to maybe try and give a little bit more about other things that they've worked on and what their uh, specialities are, but I just wanted to introduce that as a thing that I'm doing, so you know that's why. Because uh, I think it's important to sort of name drop them, and, and if you, the listener, are interested in, in learning more about the visual effects of a, of a specific movie, you can look at the lead visual effects artist, and or the, the, the supervisor. Credit where credit's due. Exactly. Um, I wanted to talk about the case of Slimer, um, because I was actually under Indian. the impression that Slimer That's was, Slimer, uh, lovely. <laughs> I think that it was a real great impression, a good impression. Um, <laughs> I know what happened. I had a little bit of a stroke there. <laughs> um, so in, in the case of Slimer, um, the, he was actually, uh, a puppet and the, it was, um, about the size of 
half a man, and specifically the man in question was called Mark Wilson, is a puppeteer who was dressed in black. Um, so, so that's the thing. That's why they called him Onion Head because apparently that uh, that thing stunk. Yeah. So, um, thanks for stepping on on the toes of what I've got written here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is that what that was, that was written there? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I've got a little bit about how stinky it was in there. Uh, obviously, if you want to ruin what I have about Mister Stay Puffed as well, you're welcome to. Oh, I'll, I'll just keep <laughs> stum there. No, 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 no. I'm joking. Um, but it, it was filmed against a black backdrop so that the, the... Uh, mahalo. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, go on. The, um, the puppeteer's legs, uh, were, he was uh, dressed in black so that the legs wouldn't show up on the black background. Um, and the hands, um, and I believe facial expressions, uh, were rigged by wires, much like the, um, uh, the librarian. Uh, and uh, that's how they, you know, they had like cables operating off of screen uh, by other puppeteers. Um, and it meant that Slimer actually had to stay in a fixed position when he was being recorded. So any shots where he's flying towards the camera, the camera is actually moving towards the puppet mm. and they're moving it. Um, so in actual fact, that's what's, that's what's going on. Uh, behind the scenes. I, I, right. I just think it's really interesting because nowadays, if uh, me, if I'm thinking about doing a visual effects shot and I've got like a CG character, I'm obviously creating or trying to recreate some of the 3D space that I'm seeing in the, in the, 2D, in the 2D shot that I'm trying to make. Right. And I'm having that character in perspective fly towards the camera. I'm trying to recreate that scene in 3D so that I can create the proper depth and, and you know, the, you know, if any light sources need to bounce off, I can then composite those back onto the, the footage. Um, and, and they didn't have any of that. So they had right. to do a lot of this stuff so that was... with very innovative ideas, which just sort of blew my mind when I was doing my research for this. I was like, I mean, some of this is quite um, obvious when you say it, like that but right. but it's it's uh, you just i want you to think um about how much thought and innovation had to go into creating these things that now we just take for granted as as owed to us that well, like who you know, discovered blue screen who discovered exactly. how to how to chroma key because that was also how they uh, how they shot when they shot superman on a blue screen exactly uh, they moved the camera when they shot the the ships in uh, in star wars uh you know they moved the camera yeah. they didn't, the ships didn't move themselves um, so it's very, uh, very clever stuff. Yeah, there were some, there were, there were some shots where they did have to lock it down. Yeah. Um, and when we talk about Ghostbusters two, and we start talking about the uh, the VFX there, I'll I'll give you some interesting insights into that. Um, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man uh, was a man in a suit who apparently uh, the, the 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 latex of the suit was apparently not very. Uh, sympathetic to the human uh, needs or condition, uh, they had to pump oxygen into the suit to keep him alive. Ooh, <laughs> um, and uh, he was filmed on a blue screen crushing uh, miniature toy cars, uh, which um, apparently it was all the same toy car. They just painted them to look uh, different because they... Uh, I, I don't actually... Uh, remember what it was. I read it in an article about the VFX in the movie, but the, there was something to do with the fact that they weren't sure... Uh, exactly how many cars they were going to need or how many variants they were going to need. So they just bought a load of the same car and just changed it up as they needed to with paint. Um, and another interesting thing that I saw, uh, there was a YouTube video and I, I should remember what, what it is, but uh, someone was talking about um, how there's a fire hydrant that the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man crushes. I just The reason I'm bringing this up is because these are things that they had to notice and put together. It's like incredible that when you... Um, scale down water, it just doesn't look the same as it would when it's coming out of a fire hydrant. So instead of water coming out of it, they've got sand coming out of it. 
because that apparently looks closer to what it should look like when it's scaled up. Hmm. And I just thought, like, they must have seen it when they tried it and gone, that doesn't work, what else can we do? And it's innovation, it's really interesting. Um, and just for those who are maybe wondering a little bit about the uh, proton beams, uh, which are the, the little guns are called neutrino ones. Uh, they had a little light bulb on the end of them, which was um, sort of, it was powered by batteries in the pack. So um, they had a, a few different proton packs. And if you ever hear like the actors complaining about how heavy they were, it's usually in the scenes where they had to have the light bulb powering it and, and whatnot, because those are the packs that were heavier. Right. And the prop packs that when, when they weren't doing it, they were a little bit lighter. Um, and the bulbs were basically there so that the animators had like a point of origin that they could sort of follow the the animation, you know, the they could uh, created sort of like different explosions and stuff to create the different um, waves of the beam and there's some two D animation on top of that, you know, which is composite. It's just a lot of different things put together to create this very unique looking effect, which again is very very stylized. If you look at the effect in um, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, the trailer, yeah, um, it's quite obviously CG or, 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 you know, just like regular 2D VFX. Um, but they've tried really hard to like recreate the exact look of it. So it's... Whereas in Answer the Call... It's so, it's very different and I didn't hate it. Again, I didn't hate it. It was just, um, it was just not what I'm familiar with. And that was kind of what bugged me. So anyways, right. it, it created a kind of rubberized light effect, which I thought was very unique and very cool. I'm done, I'm done sort of geeking out about it, which really excites me, all of this so stuff. So, if you, you want to go from um, what is more high-tech, I guess, for the 80s, with the animation and stop motion and blue screen, etc., etc., to the lowest tech, uh, how did they do the eggs jumping out of the carton and cooking on the counter? So... I'm, I, I believe that what I read somewhere, I'm sure you maybe probably know the answer to this better than I do, but I think that they actually heated up the surface uh, that the eggs were on. Um, and that, that that's a practical thing. That's it's not a, a, practical that's thing, not a yeah. VFX shot. And, and I, I remember either reading about it or you telling me or or me figuring it out. <laughs> I don't know. Well, or maybe all three. I don't know. Um, but that, yeah, I believe that the work surface is, is extremely hot. Um, and it's uh, it's making the eggs sort of pop out, or, or maybe did do you think maybe they used squibs to like make them pop out, and that they sort of popped out of the uh, the eggshells, and then it sort of landed on the work surface and cooked them. Okay, I'll tell you. Go on. Um, they injected air into the egg. It's kind of like a squib, which caused the eggshells to split along scored pathways. The yolk would pop out onto the countertop, which was heated from beneath with two propane burners. So I was very close. Very though. close, yeah. See, it's, but that's like that's how I would have done it. Is I would have put in like little um, squibs to like to, to sort of make them explode yeah. to make it look violent because because the explosion of the eggs is actually quite violent and that's sort of what's making her jump is you know it's 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 quite a violent sort of um, spray right. um, and uh, and the fact that it cooks immediately when it lands means that the work surface has to be extremely hot right. I was I was I'm really glad that you asked me about that because I was I, I watched the scene a couple of times while while I was watching it this time and going like how would I do this but then then you've also got things like uh, the uh, library cards um, flying out flying out and that also has books. to be some kind of compressed air yeah yeah there's, the a, yeah, like there's somebody on the other side of it pushing the uh, the drawer out and, and pumping compressed yeah. air up. Uh, and you know you've got like the books on strings 
Yeah. Um, you know, on these, uh, this kind of like pulley system. You're right. No human beings with stack books like right. this. Um, I just think it's just, it's really cool how they, how low tech these, these effects used to be. But they're so effective. And now Incredibly you just do it in yeah. CG. And again, it won't look as grounded in the scene. Like there are certain things. And I, 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 I think I've talked about this in previous episodes, but I'll talk, I've talked about it before. Maybe I'll talk about it again, but, um, rooting your objects in 3d into the world that you're putting them in. Like I, I'm actually watching uh, lock and key on Netflix and there are some, bum CGI shots. Like there's a chain that wraps around a character and the chain is quite obviously not lit properly. It's not lit for that scene. It's not composited properly. The color correction on it doesn't look right. It just doesn't look like it's sitting in the scene. Um, and you know, that's a lot of hard work. Like you were talking to me about VFX shots or CG characters that take you out of it. The reason I'm so excited about things like Thanos is because he always looks like he's lit from the same, the sun is coming from the same direction. He's got the same, um, you know, scatter on his skin as, you know, the other human characters do. Obviously he's CG, but there's some stuff that they're doing to him that just makes him feel rooted in the location that he's in. And so when you go to a movie like Ghostbusters and they're using so much um, practical stuff, that's what makes it feel like there's a world happening here and it's not taking you out of it because those books are actually there in the scene. Yeah. Um, Okay. I think we can wrap up on uh, on Ghostbusters 1 if there's anything else you want to say. Just that I really enjoyed watching it and I also really enjoyed researching about the, the visual effects for it because it just was very... Uh, I, I knew a lot of the stuff that I was, you know, seeing anyway, but just um, to hear people talking about it and, uh, you know, reading articles about them, uh, talking about, like, you know, how innovative it was for them then it just uh that it's, it's exciting to them the same way that you know when i discover something in cg you know that i i learn how to do something new like hard surface modeling or something i just like get really excited about it so i thought this was really fun i uh i absolutely love this movie i've loved it since i was a kid uh and i have to say again you said that earlier that uh you said earlier that you could watch this movie over and over again. Yeah. It never, ever gets old. Yeah, it really does. And I think that knowing the lines uh, in certain cases, certainly a lot of movies that you and I watch together and that we that we, uh, that we we watch over and over again, knowing the lines in advance makes them funnier. I actually quoted it while I was watching it by As myself. I'm such I. a fucking weirdo. As did I. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. Yeah. Um, and also the, the latest Blu-ray that came out, the, uh, the 4k remaster is absolutely gorgeous. I'm really jealous cause I watched it like on a crappy transfer online. Um, <laughs> but it's always good. It doesn't... I think they have it on, on Netflix, don't they? No, they have answer the call on Netflix. Oh yeah. Oh dear. Eh. Oh, there you go. There's, there's my gravelly voice back again. Hello, my babies is Kathleen Turner. So, uh, what? No, where were we? Well, I was going to say that before we talk about Ghostbusters 2, yes. we should take a break. Well, we're going to talk about uh, Ghostbusters 2 on next week's podcast. So then, a very long break. A very long break. Uh, and also, we'll be talking about Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Um, in the same episode. In the same episode, um, because it doesn't really need an episode of its own. And um, we sat through it, so now you're going to have to sit through us talking about it. We love you. We love you. Bye-bye, my babies. Bye-bye. What's our seat number? 